Well, the US share market rally is over for now. This morning it is decidedly risk-off. Oil is higher, the yen is well down, the OECD has significantly downgraded its growth forecasts and upped its inflation numbers, and NAB has revised its expectations for the RBA as well. We'll go through that uh, this morning. And the ECB later on, well signalled, but then uh, this seems to be an environment where people do change their minds at short notice. It's Thursday, the 9th of June, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, quite a leap in oil today. WTI is up 2.7%. Brent is up 3.5%. It's over $124 a barrel now. It has touched this level several times before in the history of mankind, but only very briefly, like in 2008, for example, then it fell massively afterwards uh, for that time. But this feels like a much more sustained price elevation, doesn't it, for obvious reasons. Hence, stocks are down today. Well, not just oil, but we've seen a 1% fall in the S&P 500, 0.8% down for the Dow, 0.7% off the Nasdaq. Small caps on the Russell 2000, down 1.5%. In Europe, the DAX and the CAC current, both down 0.8%. The FTSE 100, though, is pretty flat. Bond yields are back on the rise. For 10-year treasuries, they are up five basis points, back over 3%. Just a one-point rise in two years, though. 10 years in Germany are up six basis points. In France, up seven. In Southern Europe, much more, up 15. In Greece, for example, they are edging uh, ever closer to 4% there. A quarter percent move in the US dollar. It's uh, on the DXY. It's up another 1.3% on the Japanese yen. The Aussie dollar is down half a percent, falling below 72 US cents. The pound down 0.4 the euro up ever so slightly and Rodrigo Catrill joins me from NAB in Sydney today so Rodrigo I mean we are all wondering how high is oil going to go the EIA said today that they expect Russian oil output will fall by 18% by the end of next year because of the EU's embargoes but that doesn't include the bans on shipping insurance so it could be quite a bit more than that so i mean that is good news and bad news isn't it it's good if if russia is hurting it's achieving its aim but obviously it's also pushing up prices which is adding to all of these inflation concerns morning phil uh, yes so um uh, our strategies and and traders in in the commodity space uh, are very much of the view that we haven't seen the top yet um there's a general view that, uh, for one, uh, inventories are super low, uh, and then we have this good news that is bad news because China is reopening. So now we have a, a one big buyer that is looking to to buy more oil, um, and as you mentioned, the, those restrictions from from Russia have only just started to kick in and, and show an impact in terms of prices. So uh, when we look at sort of the very near term in terms of the oil oil outlook, um, it's difficult to see prices subsiding. If anything, you know. Uh, and also from a technical perspective, you know, speculators and so on will, we, we think that we, we will see those prices continue to, to rise. Then there's actually the additional story around what's going on with refineries and diesel. Um, we've got to remember that oil is, is sort of the ingredient to, to refineries and eventually to create fuel. Um, and then refineries are very, very short again of, of, of or crude oil. And there's also a, a shortage of refineries at, at the same time. So, um, this all plays to the view that as winter is, head, is coming to the northern hemisphere and also we have the driving season, um, uh, this typical 
period where you look to to increase your inventories is actually going to be challenged by by this lack yeah. of supply. So, Fit to go till winter, yeah. Um, but you know, take your point. And then there's the other factor as well, isn't it? That they, um, you know, that that the, the capacity. I think it's you know part of what you're saying with uh, uh, with diesel and refineries that, that is the capacity might not come back again. It's going to take a long time to come back because we've had refineries shut down uh, in Russia, but also during uh, COVID nineteen as well. So yeah. that is creating the capacity problems. Exactly, and. Um, um, you know, we speak to, to our commodity strategies and he's saying this, this is going to take, you know, potentially two years to rebuild mm. in terms of capacity. So this idea that yeah. prices should ease over the next month, it's, it, it just doesn't square up. Um, so, so even if Mr. Uh, Putin said tomorrow, hey, look, it's all a mistake. It's all over now. Sorry about that. Let's go back to how we were, please. Uh, if things aren't going to correct themselves. Well, I suppose a, a, a peace agreement would, would certainly be Help. be significant and we will <laughs> see prices come down a bit, a mm. fair bit. But, uh, um, but yeah, in terms of the, the structural story, uh, there's, there's, there's just basically not enough supply for the demand that we expect to, to, to unfold over the next year. So, and, and this fall that we're seeing in equities and this move up in bond yields, uh, I guess some of that is positioning ahead of Friday's inflation numbers, but, but also it's just volatility, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, the rebound is, is clearly over in equities and people are concerned about a slowdown. You know, we had Elon Musk saying he has a super bad feeling. He wants to lay off 10% of his workforce. We've got, you know, had that bad news from retailers. Uh, But we we cast all that aside, you know, for the best part of last week. But maybe we're looking at all of that again and thinking, you know, maybe uh, things aren't quite so good. You know, do you want a real sign that things aren't so good? Campbell's Soup is backing the trend on the share market today. It's up almost 4% today. I'm taking that as a bad sign that we're not going to be able to afford anything else but canned (laughs) soup. That's a bad indicator. It is a bad indicator, but in in terms of the so the narrative that we've seen in recent days, you know, uh, this inflation story I think is important. We, we've seen you know bond yields move higher, um, um, and it, that obviously is is raising concerns that not only maybe the inflation story is actually much bigger than what we thought, and at the same time that will instigate a more aggressive action by central banks, uh, including the Fed. So. Um, that I think is, is, is sort of a, a theme that is, is, is gaining a no, notice in terms of market reaction. Um, whilst at the same time, we've also had news from the OECD, again, lowering that growth forecast uh, for, for the global economy. Uh, the World Bank has been saying the same thing, but uh, the message is, is, is very clear. And if anything, the downward revisions are also very significant as well, um, with an upward revision to, to inflation. So, um, the message, if you like, coming from, from these big organizations is that we're going to see a sharp decline in terms of the, those growth expectations for the global economy, um, whilst the outlook for inflation still remains uncertain with more upside risk as well. So um, it, is, it is a concerning sort of yeah. outlook. And uh, the worst in the G20, well, apart from Russia, obviously, is the UK. Zero growth next year. Yep. Uh, with inflation, so isn't isn't that stagflation? Obviously, there's lots of people uh, still in work, so it's not quite the uh, you know textbook definition. But uh, but you know, a stagnant economy with inflation sounds like stagflation to me. It does, and um, and again, if, when, when you look at it, you have to you have to wonder where the the risk is, and inevitably looks to to the downside. Um, and um, and mm-hmm. as you know, Gavin has spoken about the inflation outlook for for the UK still looks very very challenging, and there's more pain to come still. Uh, you know, we got to remember that in the last couple of months, the, the move up in energy prices means that eventually it's going to be higher retail prices in the UK as well, which are already expected to rise um, in, in August. 
um, pushing inflation yeah. to above 10%, probably close to 11 So that means that on the next revision, given where we are today, this is actually going to be another kick up high in terms of that. So it's not a good, it's not, it's not a good outlook. No. So interesting with all this movement we've seen uh, in the equity markets, the VIX index is actually quite low, even though it looks as though everything is really val- volatile. I mean, it's down around 24 now. Uh, but obviously the real volatility we're seeing right now is, is in the currency markets as, as well, particularly with that fall in the yen again today yeah so what, what has been happening i suppose in, in in terms of the yen story is that we've had uh, governor Kuroda early this week and again reiterating the same message yesterday that you know reaffirmed the position from the bank in this in the sense that they're very much committed to the ultra easy policy uh, the inflation dynamics in japan whilst with they're experiencing an increasing inflation still from a very very low base and particularly when he looks at the argument that from his perspective from the bank of japan is the core core reading that matters so in other words you take out food and pri- and, and energy prices and they're still very subdued uh, and therefore he's Again, reaffirm the view that until we see a significant increase in wages growth, um, we, we're not going to change our policy. Um, and that policy, of course, means anchoring uh, 10-year uh, JGBs in, uh, in Japan uh, and against this backdrop of rising uh, global bond yields because of those inflation dynamics around the globe. So as we see 10-year Treasury yields head back above 3%, um, that pressure on dollar yen is to basically break higher. And, and from a technical perspective, the fact that dollar yen is now pierced through that 131 and a half, mm. 32 range, you look, you look at it in the chart and you, you have to go back over 20 years to see how much room dollar yen has in, in terms of moving higher. So from a technical perspective, it has room to move higher. The backdrop of, of core global yields moving up uh, place the view that um, you know there's still room for uh, dollar yen to shoot up. Right now, uh, China tech stocks are pushing higher today. Like Alibaba, the uh, they are quite a bit. The Hang Seng climbed almost five percent yesterday. It's uh, moving over its hundred day moving average for the first time in quite a while. Uh, I guess this is all to do with the opening up story for China, uh, and we get China's May trade figures today. They're not going to show much of a reaction to that uh, to that opening up, uh, but still worth a look, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so, well, I suppose that the tech story uh, you. Guys us talked about it with tapas yesterday and um, we've seen an ease of those regulation crackdowns and we had more news uh, uh, overnight or yesterday i should say in terms of china approving a second batch of video games this year um, so that again has been regarded as as a signal that uh, the regulator there is going to ease these restrictions in in the tech stock sector um, and as you say alibaba has been leading the charge there up over a 10 percent with jd also performing quite well so uh, that has been good news for the tech sector um, and it hasn't quite permeated into the Nasdaq overnight, but certainly it, it showed at the beginning of the day in the U.S. session uh, that it was seen as a positive sign. Now, in terms of the trade data, um, there's, there's a few dynamics there that are worth looking at. Of course, this idea that maybe May will start showing a bit of a reopening sort of benefit in, in the data. There's expectations there for inputs to show a small improvement, so that will be significant, um, whilst at the same time, exports are also expected to, to show an improvement. But um, what is probably worth highlighting here is that in terms of the details, uh, we're not going to know that until later in June in terms of what actually happened to the import data and the export data. And that's where dynamics in terms of how much, for instance, uh, Russian oil is China buying will be important. Um, there's also a lot of talk around aluminium. China ex- exports aluminium and, ch- of course, Russia is the other big exporter. So 
there's, there's a bit of interest in there in terms of how much is Chinese being able to, you know, substitute that demand. Um, and similarly for Australia as well, iron ore and this whole drive for infrastructure spending, is it really being reflected in increasing iron ore uh, demand? Um, and finally, you know, there's, there's also the, on the agricultural side, uh, China plays an important role because they're a big fertilizer exporter, uh, whilst at the same time they're also the biggest importers of soybeans. So all those dynamics will be important in terms of uh, the details, but <laughs> that won't be revealed today. It will be revealed later in the month. Now, look, this is an interesting one. We had the uh, the jobs data yesterday for Australia, and I guess this helps account for that rapid trajectory from the uh, from the RBA, uh, you know, the fact that they are moving faster. That jobs data yesterday showed there were 14.6 million filled jobs in Australia, 420,000 vacant jobs. That means 2.8% of all jobs are currently unfilled. That scare compares to 1.6% of all jobs at the start of the pandemic. So that is quite a move. Uh, and if you look at the, uh, you know, the, the latest employment numbers, there were 537 unemployed people. So 537 unemployed people with just 420,000 jobs. And obviously there's a mismatch between those jobs and the people and the skills requirements. So that shows really how tight the labor market is, isn't it? It is. Um, and uh, I suppose in addition to that, uh, one of the big factors as to why the RBA went aggressively is because uh, they've seen all the concerns around inflation, um, which has been now exacerbated by the dynamics that we've seen in terms of the the energy sector in, in Australia, uh, which plays to the view yeah. that, you know, we we were already expecting strong inflation coming in Q2 and Q3, but now these dynamics around the energy story um, place the view that those inflationary pressures will persist beyond that, um, and that obviously changes the picture significantly. Um, so, so now NAV has revised up its, its cash profile. We think that uh, you know um, another two rounds of 50 basis points hikes in July and August is, is should be taken as a sort of a, a base case. Uh, and then a continue more sort of motive space of 50, 25 basis points in November, taking the cash rate to 210 by the end of the year. So um, the, the dynamics of inflation, of course, will be important because the general view that after you get to close to that neutral rate of around 210 to 50, the RBA will pause and have a look. Uh, but it's important to know that not everybody has been doing that. You know, there was a similar expectations that New Zealand, for instance, will pause and, and yet they're powering through and they're still hiking some more. Mm. Um, and then, of course, the big question will be whether the, the Fed does a similar move and, and the inflation dynamics over the coming months will be very, very important in that regard. Yeah, well, I tell you what, Poland uh, overnight, 75 basis points added uh, to an interest rate of 6% and they've got a CPI of almost 14%. So your zloty is not going very far these days. So we're not quite there yet. Uh, the ECB, uh, are we going to get uh, there? Uh, they're obviously next one off the rank. Are we going to get any surprises there or do you think we've all heard it in advance? I mean, we are going to hear from uh, Christine the Garden a press conference afterwards so maybe that's where we'll learn something if there's uh, anything to be said yes and sometimes you, you you get one impression from the statement and you get a very similar different <laughs> different one from what she's saying so um expect some volatility certainly in terms of the euro and euro bonds um uh, we think that this is probably three important factors one what the forecasts say because uh, a lot of the ecb council members have emphasized that 
very their decision and their rationale will be very much dependent on what those forecasts predict in terms of what the economy will do. So again, in terms of the outlook for inflation, how high and how persistently high is expected to be will be very important in terms of how aggressive we should expect the ECB to be. Uh, and two, uh, obviously, we expect the QE programs to to come to an end, uh, so the asset purchases um, uh, will 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 end, and the the timing of when they end will also set the tone for when the the next hack hike will begin. Uh, or will. so, bear in mind that the ECB view was that. You know, we will end asset purchases first and then we will look to hike and, and the, the space between the two could be one week or one month or, or even longer. Mm. You know, so there is, there's a, a, a growing minority, uh, that, that, you know, is rem- reminding us that we had, you know, central banks like the RBA and even the, the, the Bank of India surprising this, this week. Um, so maybe there's a risk there that the ECB surprises everyone becoming more aggressive. And announcing, you know, yeah. a, a much sooner than expected hike. Um, and then the other, the other narrative, of course, is that if they do sort of signal that a hike is coming in July, the market will want to know what exactly you're talking about. Are you talking 25 or 50 basis points? So it will be important. Yeah. And, and finally, the other very important thing is, is, you know, you touched on it with Ray yesterday, is the issue around peripherals. Um, the, the ECB has spoken in the past about the idea that quantity easing can also be used in order to prevent market fragmentation. Uh, we've seen peripherals uh, spreads uh, widening. The Italian, Greek, Greek ones uh, widen quite a bit overnight again. Yeah, Fifteen basis points yeah. today. So, yeah. so we we're not there at, at a level where it becomes a massive concern. But certainly, the direction of travel is 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 something that we need to keep an eye on. And if the ECB doesn't show any support for the peripherals, then the risk is that we'll see a, an extension of the recent news. Yeah. All right. Well, and tomorrow morning we've got to go, so we can't really comment on this. Just that it's there. The uh, Bank of Canada releases its financial system review, uh, followed by a uh, press conference by the Governor of the Bank of Canada as well. No time for you to say anything about that. We'll, do, we'll no doubt uh, have a chance to talk about it after it's happened, but good to talk with you. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Cheers. There's just too much going on. We could talk for hours, but thankfully we don't. Uh, we'll be back again though tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>